0: Attention Pacific Northwest, both the Canadian side and the
2: American side. Stuff You Should Know is coming to you live. That's right. And this, combined with Seattle and San Francisco, which we've just completed, Mm -hmm. will be our, I would say, our only true West Coast dates this year. So true. So if you are anywhere near Portland or Vancouver, Mm -hmm. then come on out and see us. Yep,
0: so we're going to be in Vancouver at the Chan Center on Sunday, March 29th. And then the next night, we're going to go on down to Portland. And this time, we're going to be at the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall, which is a beautiful room. We'll be there for the first time. And that's going to be on Monday, March 30th.
2: That's right. We've stepped it up in venue size, so don't make fools of us, please.
0: (laughs) Right, so you can go get tickets and all the info you need at sysklive.com.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryan over there. There's guest producer Josh T. rocking it out. <laughs> and this is Stuff You Should Know.
2: Take to a dish. Yeah. One of the rare second takes. That's right. We lost a whole 14 seconds of uh, try number one.
0: <laughs> right. It wasn't any good anyway. That's what it was. Josh turned into like Elvis Costello. Was like, no, no, stop, stop. Oh, wow. Look at that mm-hmm. reference. <laughs> little SNL callback. Yeah, it was. Nice. So, um, as you can tell, Chuck, I'm pretty excited about this episode, which is kind of surprising because talking about 911 seems like it might be the most boring thing we could talk about.
2: Oh, you think? Untrue. What with all the people dying and well, yeah, cats stuck in trees. Sure. (laughs) What else? Um, I should name everything you shouldn't call nine one one for.
0: uh, Let's see. Neighbors playing his music too loud. That's one. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff you shouldn't call nine one one for, which we'll talk about. Sure. But um, one thing, like I, I I am familiar with nine one one. I remember growing up as a child in the '80s, and I was like, I remember hearing about. This new system that was coming around when I was growing up in Toledo. Yeah, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense because nine one one. It turns out has been around at least since nineteen sixty eight in the U S. Mm-hmm. It's been around way longer in, in parts of in, the U S. In U K. Yeah, <clears throat> true. But I like to think of Toledo as kind of a happening spot. Sure. Toledo <laughs> didn't get a fully functional nine one one system until nineteen
2: eighty nine. Did you look it up? Yeah. So you you guys uh, resorted to the previous method, which was uh, run down the street screaming <laughs> for neighbors, just swinging a
0: cat by its tail. Yeah, that was your siren.
2: Yeah, I seem to remember. I don't know exactly when we got it, but I think I remember it happening. Like, because if I if I remember correctly, when I was a kid, we had one of those little cards next to the kitchen phone that had mm-hmm. police, fire, right. or, and whatever else. So that had to have been pre nine one one, or else we wouldn't have had that dumb thing. Right. Yeah, that would just confuse the children.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> call these numbers first, and right. then if they don't answer, call nine one one. Yeah,
2: then do the super easy thing that will route it to the correct person. Right. Child,
0: <laughs> your parents have just taken out a substantial life insurance policy on you.
2: Yeah, for uh... <laughs> that's a long
0: that's a long game, right there. It is. So, Chuck, as new as nine one one is, even though it seems old, mm-hmm. right? Especially for younger listeners, I would guess that it seems pretty.
2: They probably think it's been around mm-hmm. since you know
0: horse and buggy days? Yeah. Since rotary phone days? Yeah. Right. So um as 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 old as it is or as new as it is, it's gotten pretty uh <laughs> robust. Very robust.
2: <laughs> yeah, every year uh these are some stats mm-hmm. that uh our buddy Dave Ruse helped us compile. Uh 240 million calls in the US. Mm-hmm. That is 650,000 calls a day.
0: Yeah. That's like 900,000 calls a minute. No. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure? I just did that back of the envelope You made me (laughs) double take (laughs) that. I noticed.
2: Uh, And another important thing here is that 80% of calls these days are from your uh, wireless phone. That's a big deal. It is, which we'll get to, but um, that changed things.
0: Yeah, the big spoiler is is that the 911 system that we currently use in the United States Mm -hmm. is hopelessly antiquated. And they're working on improving it, Mm -hmm. and nothing that we should say about how antiquated it is should keep you from calling 911. It still generally works. But it's having trouble or it's had trouble traditionally keeping pace with the massive sweeping changes in telecommunications that has has gone on in the last couple decades.
2: Yeah, because telecom is always trying to move forward, and they don't think like – Oh, but maybe we should slow the pace for nine one one. Right, exactly. You know?
0: And plus, I mean, nine one one. We'll see. Those systems are built alongside the other system. So when the other system leads forward, they have to go through and rebuild yeah. this this system that's just for nine one one.
2: Because you can't get rid of an old system. Because people. Well, we'll get to that
0: stuff. We'll get to that. Let's not spoil it.
2: But uh, we were laughing earlier about things that you should and should not call for. Um, some of these are debatable. I think. Oh, yeah? I think so. Says who? Says me. Okay. We'll get to the the last one, really, is the only one that's debatable. But obviously, if if there's a fire or smoke that you think is a fire. Where
0: there's smoke, there's fire.
2: Medical emergency, and you can't, you know, obviously get in an ambulance or get get in your car and run someone to the emergency room if you can, if it's quicker, and you can do so safely.
0: It's quicker and cheaper.
2: Oh, well, sure. Cost of gas,
0: maybe a couple tolls, who knows. Compared to like an ambulance ride. No, that's a that's a
2: good uh, point. But I mean, I imagine if you're home just loaded and your kid gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs> right, you should probably call nine one one. Call yeah, call nine one one. Car accidents, of course, um, if they are major enough and like have injuries. Yeah. Call call nine one one.
0: You should be able to tell, like, if somebody's like, "Oh, that kind of hurt my neck," you don't have to call nine one one. Right. You could call. Here's the other thing: if we're saying don't call nine one one, that doesn't mean like don't alert anybody. Right. But there are there's a, a your police have their own phone number. Your local police have their own phone number. They do. Look it up and call that the non emergency number.
2: Right. Uh, and then obviously the last category is some sort of uh, crime being committed, violence being committed. Sure. Call nine one one. Yeah, so
0: that's like no one's going to argue with that. I think so. Okay, there are plenty of instances where you shouldn't call nine one one, and yet people reliably call nine one one for stuff like this.
2: And I think that's because it's been drilled into everyone's head. It's kind of a double edged sword. You you can't drill that into everyone's head. Mm -hmm. Nine one one, nine one one. All you got to do is call nine one one, and then not expect to get some cat stuck in the tree calls. You keep going back to that. Well. We actually had, did that when I was a kid. Did you? You called nine one one for that? Well, you know the funny story. It's not very funny to okay. my dad, but uh, we had a cat stuck in a tree. Okay. My dad went up, and he got stuck in the tree.
0: He just climbed up too high. Yeah. And he got freaked out. I think so. That's. Really- I mean, I was
2: a kid, so. You know, they weren't saying, your father's very afraid <laughs> and has screwed up. Right. Uh, I was just a kid kind of like, well, now dad's up there and now there's firemen here helping my dad out of a tree. <laughs> right. Cats and dads get stuck in trees. <laughs> yeah. And looking back, I think that's totally probably what happened. Sure. I think he got you way up down. there and was freaked out. Yeah. 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 That's well, cute. i have to ask him about that one day.
0: Um, okay, so your dad's stuck in a tree. I would say that's a call 911 situation. <laughs> so, yeah. Cat's stuck in a tree, no. Uh-huh. Unless you live in Pleasantville, don't call 911 for that. Yeah, that's true. Um, if you have a question ab- about the speeding ticket you got the other day, that's not a call that you would place through 911. Again, no. you can just call. There's even a number on the back of the ticket. Don't yeah. be dumb. Okay? Hey, bringing that back? Just for that second. Okay. What else, Chuck?
2: Oh, of course, anything dealing with your animals, unless. Well, I'm not even going to say that. What? I was going to say if there's an animal attacking someone. Yeah, you would call 911 1- 1- for sure. that. Come out and shoot this dog. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it could be rabid. It's, it's terrible. Call Hectate out. Uh, but otherwise, if the cat in the tree lost animals, injured animals, uh, noisy neighbors, I love that Dave puts power outage in here and in parentheses, call your power company. Right. <laughs> it's that last one I think is a little, it kind of opens a can of worms, and that is the suspicious person okay. thing. All right. Because, uh, you know, they say to call for suspicious activity, mm-hmm. which theoretically is a su- suspicious person. Right. I think the distinction is, and uh, what we see, and we'll get into this later racial biases you know, people in neighborhoods calling the cops on someone because they're black and walking down my street. Right. Which happens. Right. Uh, That is not a suspicious person. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, if there's nothing going on, I know people try to justify it, but then local police say, you know, hey, always call us if you think something might be going on. Right. And that's where it gets dodgy because that comes down to a human being's perception so which as, can be very tilted.
0: As Dave puts it, he he put it a couple of ways that I thought were pretty smart. He said, people aren't suspicious. Behavior is suspicious.
2: Yeah, and they say specifically to call 911 for suspicious activities. Right. But again, these are people. So it's just such a weird fine line you're walking there.
0: The other little litmus test that I've seen is, stop just for a second. Because it's suspicious behavior. If you see somebody like breaking into a car, like assaulting somebody, that's... That's beyond suspicious. That's like
2: the act. That's the act. Um, That's a crime being committed.
0: So you have a second when you see a suspicious person to stop and think like, would I would I call 911 if this person were white? Right. Or if you're a black person doing this, say, would I call 911 if this person were black? And if the answer is no, then maybe you shouldn't call. Maybe they're not right. acting that suspiciously.
2: Yeah, it's just interesting on these Facebook neighborhood pages. It's kind of evenly divided between people saying, uh, don't call nine one one for this. This is just a guy going door to door, perhaps. Right. Uh, other people saying, "No, you know what? If it's nine forty five or ten o'clock at night, and someone's knocking on your door yeah. in our neighborhood, It seems like suspicious." Maybe behavior. you should call the cops and let them work it out. And for the cops, they say, "You know, call us. That doesn't mean we're going to dispatch eight cars to your home, but we might work you through the situation, mm-hmm. and it's all going to be fine." Yes. But this is the only one where I thought was a little bit like you shouldn't just say, like, don't call 911 when you see a suspicious person.
0: No, you certainly shouldn't say that. At the same time, though, I think one of the big hesitations for calling 911 these days is, like, the either the increase or the increase in reporting of Mm -hmm. people, innocent people who had 911 called on them being killed by the
2: cops. Exactly.
0: It, that and that death would not have happened. Their death wouldn't have happened right. had a, a person been suspicious of them and mm-hmm. and called nine one one. And the fact, you know, when when news of something like that gets out, it will make you second guess that kind of thing. Like you're for sure. You're it. It makes you realize you are bringing like people who are armed and jumpy mm-hmm. out to a situation where it's just somebody walking around or whatever. And when you look at it from that respect, it it can make you second-guess the whole thing.
2: Yeah, and things can look – it can look like potential malfeasance that's not, you know. Like a lot of people – you see a lot of people saying, well, I think someone's casing my house um, because a car pulled into my driveway and sat there for two minutes.
0: They asked me if I wanted to know more about Sierra Club.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or someone stopped and was taking pictures of my house. Like – you never know. Somebody might be taking picture of the uh, oak tree that they're trying to learn about mm-hmm. or <laughs> yeah. or just looking up something on their phone and standing in the direction of your house.
0: Right. Nine times out of ten, they're trying to figure out the more about tree. the oak tree near your house.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm trying to give people the benefit of the doubt, you know. No, I'm with you. Uh, but it's, anyway, it's, it's just that's tough. where it gets a little dodgy. For sure. And we'll have statistics, uh, statistics <laughs> later on about yeah. actual racial bias because it's real sure okay
0: moving on you want to take a little break after that it seems like a good spot oh I think I do okay well everybody we're taking a rare Josh break <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back
2: stuff you should know.
0: Okay, we're back.
2: That Josh break was invigorating. I wasn't doing anything. I was just taking a picture of your oak tree. Will you get off my back? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh.
2: What kind of oak is that, sir?
0: <laughs> uh, there's only one kind of oak.
1: Yeah, no, I know there's a
0: bunch of different oaks. Yeah. Everyone in Ireland's like, no, that's not true.
2: <laughs> uh, while we're mentioning calling 911, though, um, you can get arrested. It is a crime to prank call 911. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Or to swat. It's called swatting. That's a bi- I think that deserves its own podcast. Maybe, because there was some some guy got killed, right, from a swatting incident. Yeah,
0: I think it's happened more than once.
2: Yeah, that's serious stuff.
0: If you don't know what swatting is, we'll just give you the the 411 on this <laughs> abuse of 911. Man, I love myself sometimes. That's great. Um, so swatting is where you are a hacker, right? Mm-hmm. And you can disguise the number that you're coming, you're calling from uh, to make it look like you're calling from a house that you want the cops to go to. Right. And you basically say, like, I'm in this house and I'm holding hostages and what are you going to do about it, Johnny Law? Yeah. And the law comes out and usually SWAT, the, I shouldn't say usually, in some cases the SWAT team will actually enter this house mm-hmm. where people who have no idea what's going on are. Right. And maybe that the people who have been swatted, you know, Said something mean to the to the guy who you know called the SWAT team out on him, but it's basically it's not like saying like there's a I think there's a hostage situation in this house. It's I'm the guy holding the right. hostages, and here's where I am. You see
2: something mean like and SWAT teams stink, right? Exactly. <laughs> so the SWAT team's like, we're gonna go kill that right. guy. <laughs>
0: I'll bet you would never in a million years bring your SWAT team out,
2: <laughs> and whatever you do, don't come in guns blazing, <laughs> right? Which we're joking about something that's really happened. So. Sure.
0: So, like, I really think we need to talk at yeah, least a short stuff. I think so. We'll look into it a little further. We'll do one
2: on swatting and one on doxing. Okay. The but, two weird new things that people do now.
0: Right. But But swatting is definitely a crime. Yes. Okay. Also... So that you don't make 911 feel like—I think this is great. This is almost like a public service announcement mm-hmm. that we're in the midst of. Yeah, we do these. So you um, you don't get in trouble with the 911. So they don't think that you're pranking them mm-hmm. when you're not. If you ever call 911 accidentally mm-hmm. or, say, your kid does or whatever, mm-hmm. you do not want to hang up the phone.
2: Yeah, I did that a few years ago, I feel like. I accidentally called 911 because mm-hmm. I think cell phones have a feature that— It it enacted, like, an automatic call by accident. Right. And I saw it, and I went, oh, crap, and I hung up. (laughs) Right. And I got a call back, like, in a second. That's great. Ideally, you should. Yeah.
0: Yumi has a great story from when she was a kid. She um, got scared. uh, I can't remember. Something about her grandmother, who was perfectly fine, but she called 911, and Got scared when nine one one answered and hung up, and they kept calling back, and she kept hanging up. That's very cute. So they came out to the, the house,
2: <laughs> yeah, A little welfare check, yeah, basically.
0: <laughs> um, but you don't want to do that. Don't follow the Yumi model. No, of nine one one. Like, just stay on the phone and be like, "I'm really sorry. I, this is an accidental call, and I'm definitely not the bad guy." Pretending that this is an accidental call. Make right. sure you say that too.
2: My name is Timmy. I'm five. <laughs> right. It's all good.
0: My name is little boy with brown hair.
2: <laughs> So, I think the history is fairly interesting, um because England started nine not nine one one no but their version, which is nine 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 way back in nineteen thirty seven in London I didn't know this uh, I didn't know it either, but they they were the first city in the world that created the three digit model. Uh, apparently, as the story goes, there was a fire in downtown London, and people tried to get through the fire department, and they were put on hold and switched around and so they said the town crier came out and said 999 is the answer.
0: Yeah, which so 999 it's easy to remember. Sure. Um I guess no one else was using 999 at the time, but this is back in the day of rotary phones, right? Oh yeah. So that that's actually that was a, a it was a burden to dial 999 with a rotary been dial phone. Should have been for sure. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of clumsy of them.
2: A little bit. Clumsy of the Brits. Uh, but let me see here. I think it was a 12-mile radius around London at first after World War II and went wider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because, you know, Britain liked to do a little world conquering, you can find 999 in cities all over the world. Yeah. Where London has – or where England has left their uh,
0: imprint. <laughs> That's a way to put it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the U.S., of course, said, well, we're not going to let the Brits outdo us. You're going to do Brexit? Hold my beer. Yeah, we're going to wait 20-something years and (laughs) do it ourselves. Right, exactly. So um, I think in 1957, the Fire Chiefs Association, sorry, the National Association of Fire Chiefs, I was way off, um, they said, hey, we should come up with an easy-to-remember three-digit number for people to report fires. and other people said, "Hey, that's a great idea. We'll 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 do that to report emergencies." Mm-hmm. And the fire chiefs association said, "No, just fires." Yeah, right. <laughs> Luckily, no one listened to them. If, well, they didn't listen to the just fire part. That's right. Um, and then a couple of years after that, or maybe uh, yeah, a few years later, the um, National Academy of Sciences said, "This is actually a really good idea. We should do this for calling ambulances too." And then finally, um, a presidential commission. On law enforcement and the administration of justice said, no, all emergencies should have a three-digit easy-to-remember number.
2: That's right. So the FCC says, who should we get in touch with here? How about AT&T? Yeah. Because these were the days of uh, mm-hmm. phone monopolies. Right. Or phone monopoly. Mm-hmm. It was just one, right? Uh,
0: No, I think.
2: When did they break up the phone companies? Uh,
0: I think it was before this. Okay. Because they broke them up into the different bells, right? Yeah. Were where all the different bells part of one big phone company?
2: That's right. The Liberty Which Bell. Which one? I just said two different things. The Liberty Bell, the Southern Bell. Yeah. Bell from- uh, Pacific Bell. Pacific Bell. The sure. Bell from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> right. All the bells. Albuquerque Bell? Sure, why not? You can ring
0: my bell. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good song. It's a good one. <laughs> but I think More, More, More by Andrea True Connection is far better. <laughs> What's that? Virtually the same thing, but just a better better song. Oh,
2: okay. They got in touch with AT&T, and they said, uh, can you help us out with this? Apparently, AT&T is the one that chose 911 uh, because it hadn't been used yet, which is kind of the first stumbling block. Again, the rotary dial. Rotary dial. That was nine one one's a lot better than nine nine nine. Way be- it's it's two thirds better. It is two thirds better, and it was easy to remember. And you know, I think they had set up at this point already four one one in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of extended that idea of right. the the something one one.
0: Right. So um, the first. This really surprised me. The first nine one one call that was ever placed in the United States, New York City. You would think so? Washington, D.C. No. Chicago. What else you got? Uh, Chicago. You already said that one. Okay, I don't know. What about Los Angeles? Yeah, why not? What about Albuquerque? They're doing fine. Okay, no, none of those are correct. (laughs) Haleyville, Alabama was the site of the very first 911 call.
2: Yeah, that's a good little trivia question, I think.
0: That is pedal to the metal. (laughs)
2: Uh, By the way, I recently watched, uh, I had recorded all those Jeopardy shows with Mm. uh, Ken Jennings on there, the the Champions run. Mm -hmm. That was some of the better TV I'd seen in a while. Really good stuff. Oh, yeah? Well, I mean, if you're a Jeopardy fan, it was as good as it gets. Like the smartest competitors and like big time drama because they, you know, they had to bring it on those daily doubles. It wasn't like a regular show. Mm -hmm. Like they were daily doubling on like $20,000 and stuff. Ooh, like it was really tense. Wow. Like good drama. Yeah. It was so cool. Cuz I think Ken knew that other guy, the Heltzer guy was a was a gambler mm-hmm. and he made his name for really just going all in. Mm-hmm. And Ken knew this, so he had to do the same. Well, sure. In order to beat these chumps.
0: If you're playing a gambler, you get dragged into gambling whether you want to gamble or Bring not. You get in there. You know? It's good stuff.
2: Anyway, good trivia question. It's probably been on Jeopardy. Haleyville, Alabama did. It was it was kind of a publicity stunt. It well, sounds like
0: they. So the little uh, the little phone company there, the Alabama Telephony Co, um, basically said that's pretty funny. AT and T is is about to do this. They're about to launch this nine one one system. We want to jump on it and adopt it first. So we're going to set this up as fast as we can. Because here's the thing: we'll find out more about this in a minute. But there's no national nine one one system. Yeah, all. Everywhere in the United States, 911 reaches an emergency dispatcher Mm -hmm. or an emergency operator, but each system is local, regional at best. Right. Um, So Haleyville, Alabama could jump on this and set up their own system and get started, and that's exactly what they did.
2: That's right. February of 1968, (coughs) they Mm -hmm. had a state senator named Rankin Fight. He dialed 911 as a, you know, obviously, is this like a photo op or video op? In other words, there wasn't an emergency. <laughs> sure. It's like, man, what a coincidence that the state senator had the first emergency. And happened to be
0: standing <laughs> next to the special phone.
2: That's right. They had a special bat phone, a red phone, and uh, I think an Alabama congressman was on the other end at the police station.
0: Congressman Tom Bevel, known as the Pork King. Really? Not just the Alabama Pork King, the Pork King the of King. Congress.
2: And the state senator said, What are you, Pork King, what are you doing at the police station? I've got an emergency. And he said, Are we really going to do this bit? <laughs> oh,
0: I would force whoever's on the other
2: line to do it. So, yeah, it was all just a big show to say, Hey, we did it first. <laughs> uh, they did it a week later. Uh, they, they still have a big festival every year, too. Sure. A 911 festival. I in wonder if they reenact this,
0: this famous phone
2: call. <laughs> oh, man, if we could play those two parts. I'm the pork like, king. How great would that be? Forget drunk history. Just put us up there.
0: That's cool.
2: Um, And when I say forget drunk history, I mean we very much want to be on it. (laughs) Are we still pursuing that? No, I mean just by occasionally yelling out of my window every now and then. Okay. Why not us? (laughs) The crickets are deafening. (laughs) I'm surprised no one said like, hey, this is a natural fit. These guys are great storytellers about history. They can get drunk with the best of
0: them. We've been saying this for years. No one's No one's listening.
2: So, uh, Nome, Alaska, about a week later, did the same thing, and we're the second city. And then throughout the 70s and 80s, it kind of started rolling out, but it takes a while to get this kind of thing going.
0: It does, because, again, it's a local, again, at best, regional system, <laughs> okay? And your local um, city might not have the money to put in a new telecommunications system. Yeah to be used for emergency services. Um, and at first, you know, cities that were a little more flush with cash because they had a larger tax base had the money to roll these out. So as expected, aside from Haleyville and Nome, it was mostly like large metropolitan areas that were starting to roll out their the, ni- the earliest 911 systems. But the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, uh, which was the foundation based on Johnson & Johnson's mm-hmm. company, um, they took an early interest in this and started handing out grants to rural areas to set up their own nine one one systems. So, uh, ironically, Haleyville, Alabama, had it not jumped on it, probably still wouldn't have a nine one one system. Were Maybe. it not for the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation doling out grants to like you know small towns around the country for their own.
2: Yeah, because they're like you know what people call nine one one, they go to the hospital. We mm-hmm. using Johnson and Johnson products. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not being overly cynical. I'm sure that you know 911 is probably good for the band aid business. I would guess so. And baby shampoo.
0: Yeah, because if you can't get if you can't get a, an ambulance to that person, they're going to croak. But if no you get the Band-Aids ambulance to them right, you don't need band aids when you're dead. Nope. That's that's just like a fact of of death. Mm-hmm. But if you survive, you're going to need a lot of band aids depending right. on what you've done to yourself.
2: That's right. Uh, here's some stats for you by 1976 when I was 5 years old mm-hmm. only 17% of the US had 911
0: You want to know a surprising fact? 1976 I was just born.
2: Well, you probably weren't covered by 911. Again, not until
0: 1989.
2: Well, it, by 1987 only 50% of the country which is uh that's kind of I, that's pretty late. I would have thought we would have had a lot more of the country covered by then.
0: For sure, you would think so. And it wasn't until 99 actually Chuck that um the that 911 officially became the emergency number for everywhere in America. That's 1999.
2: Right. Bill Clinton said, "Let's do this." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "What about 999?" And they went, "Bill, yeah, please." Wrong country. Uh Canada speaking of wrong countries they are very much the right country cuz they got on board with 911 as well. That's absolutely true, Chuck. Cuz they were like why why make things too difficult.
0: You know, that's a great question, Canada, and I think the answer to that is you shouldn't make things too difficult. Just kind of go with the flow. Should go we with the American break or should we flow. Do some more stuff here. I was thinking maybe another break. Okay. Are you okay with that? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. What about you listeners? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Well, we'll be right back. Stuff you should know. Okay, Chuck, let's talk about how it actually works.
2: Yeah, in the early days, uh, obviously, it was all landline telephones. So when your call got routed Mm -hmm. to the switchboard, which was a 911 switchboard dedicated to that, they would patch you across phone lines that were dedicated to Mm 911 to what's called a PSAP, a public safety answering point. And at the time, they were uh, a lot of times like in the fire department or in the police station.
0: Right. So they could just turn in their chair and be like, Sarge, dispatch some people to this address.
2: We got a suspicious person staring at oak trees. <laughs> right. <laughs> Again.
0: Right. And... Um, like, origi- like today, a 911 dispatcher is a highly trained, highly skilled oh, yeah. person. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's like a flight attendant. Mm-hmm. Remember when we learned, like, flight attendants are actually trained to yeah. save your life in an emergency, and they just hand out peanuts as, like, a side thing? Right. Um, <laughs> this is basically the same thing with the 911 operator call taker. They know to- how to do a lot of stuff, but the earliest ones just knew how to answer the phone, take down your info and then turn around and send it off to the fire department or the police department or, you know, the paramedics or something like that. You know, they'd be like, okay, I got to go. All right. I'll see you. Bye. Right. And then they would get off the phone.
2: And that evolved to the call center. Um, That evolved to what was called enhanced 911, which was uh, in the 1970s, again, driven by telecom advancing with Mm AT&T with new technologies they developed uh, ANI and ALI, automatic number identification and location identification.
0: ANI is just caller ID. That's what everybody calls caller ID. Yeah. Remember those cute little boxes that oh, you could plug your phone best. line into? And on your little table. Show you in some little <laughs> terrible readout.
2: Yeah. Basically dot matrix readout. Yep. Who was calling? Yep. Pretty neat. And <laughs> Pretty then it, cute. it was on your handheld cordless phone. Right you could look at it and that was like whoa if we're living in the future rich or the answering machine now is digital we don't need those tiny tapes yeah it's true that was like a big revolution too
0: that was huge amazing cuz you could leave as long a message as you wanted now yeah but you couldn't get that clever nobody's home nobody's home sure you're
2: still recording your outgoing message
0: right you could sing it but they actually had that tape you could buy that you could oh, put really? in there. yeah <laughs> There was one that was like a whole
2: mixtape of them. Of just like gag answers? Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. You don't remember that? (laughs) Not really. There was a a very famous ad that ran. Really? Yeah. (laughs) It was like, delight your friends. Basically, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty funny.
0: Um, So this enhanced 911 system, the automatic number and the automatic locator, that was a a big deal because now all of a sudden, if you were a um, call taker for 911 and a call came up... On your little computer screen, it said what the number was and what the address was. And because everybody was calling from landlines, mm-hmm. you knew exactly where that person was who needed help. That's right. It saved a bunch of time. It was a very huge life-saving measure.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you think about people in an emergency, it could be everything from crippling fear, keeping you from even knowing where you are, yeah. to having been hit on the head and not being able to say where you are. Yeah, or you just can't speak. Yeah, and so that really, imagine that they spend a lot of time sometimes just trying to get through that first step of where are you.
0: Right. So this was an enormous leap forward. and In the 70s and 80s, it really kind of cemented how helpful and life-saving this 911 system could be. And then cell phones came along, and the rest of us kind of leapfrogged right over 911 because the cell phone carriers didn't have ANI and ALI. It, when when you call 911, still to this day, mm-hmm. from a cell phone, it does not come up what your number is or where you are in any specific way. And so Congress, or at least the FCC, said... Um, hey, we need you guys to do something. Like, there's got to be something. It just can't be like, you know, you have no idea where this person is in the country. Yeah. Because part of the other thing about the automatic locator uh, that, that they had originally with 911 in the mm-hmm. 70s and 80s is it would route you to the closest um, public safety answering point. Right. So that would be saving time, too, because the person you're talking to is in the same area as you and, and knows the area you're talking about and can more quickly dispatch people. Right. With cell phones, it's not the case. Yeah,
2: and Dave makes a good point. Even if they could have located, like, where your cell phone plan was or your phone was activated, mm-hmm. uh, you, you don't have to live in the city where that is. Right. You I could have be friends that have them. L.A. numbers that yeah. work in the film industry here right. just because that stupid L.A. 310 or 323 makes them look like a more legitimate hire.
0: Just so cool. <laughs>
2: it's so cool and so dumb. Right. But, yeah, they would be like, you're in Atlanta? It says you're in Los Angeles. Is this a prank? Are you swatting me?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, the so the FCC said, okay, you guys need to do something. So what they did was they came up with um, a triangulation where the closest cell phone tower's address comes up when you call. it's a good start. It is a good start, but if you're out in the sticks, the closest cell phone tower might be miles and miles and miles away. That's true. And even if it's not miles away, let's say it's a football field away. Well, if you're in a dense... Um, densely populated area. Yeah,
2: and you're bleeding out. Sure. That doesn't help.
0: It does not help at all. But it gets you a little bit closer, and it helps to to transfer your call or to route your call to the closest PSAP. Yeah. Okay? And then the other thing that they have them do now, phase two of this enhanced, wireless-enhanced 911, is um, it it gives your GPS coordinates. Right. Which is so 90s, it's ridiculous. It is. And it's, anyone, it's like MapQuest. <laughs>
2: anyone who's ever waited on a rideshare... Uh, that thought you were down the street from where you were mm-hmm. uh, knows how accurate that GPS can be. It's well still, that's, it's still great, but
0: that's way more accurate than what 911's working with.
2: Well they're just working with longitude and latitude points, right Yeah
0: one of the big tr- one of the big um, qualities a, a quality to have as a 911 operator is to be able to quickly translate longitude and latitude coordinates, GPS coordinates mm-hmm. into like Google Maps to get an address really fast.
2: And a smooth, sexy voice.
0: Sure. Like Barry White <laughs> with Fingers of Fury.
2: Or like Halle Berry. With Barry was, White's fingers. <laughs> she, uh, did you see that movie, The Call? No. She played a 911 uh, call uh, specialist mm-hmm. in a movie, a thriller. It was good. Was it? it? wasn't great. Yeah, it was good. Okay. But Brad Anderson directed it. He's like a really quality director.
0: Yeah, I know that name. And it from seemed War. like
2: this sort of, from what? <laughs> what? You gonna call me out on that? I didn't hear you. From what? From where? Oh, <laughs> I don't get what you mean. From where? Like what oh. other? Oh, what other movies has he directed? Yeah. he directed a, a scary movie called Session Nine.
0: Oh yes, okay. Well then, this guy's one of my favorites of all time. You know that movie? That's what it's a one of the best horror movies ever made.
2: Yeah, it's a, I'm a fan of Brad Anderson because he has a range of genres. Mm-hmm. Like one of his early movies is this. Kind of spacey rom-com called Four Happy Accidents that was great. <laughs> uh, Happy Accidents, r- yeah, really good with Marissa Tomei and Vincent D'Onofrio. But it had this it was a rom-com with a sort of a a, uh, a bit of a sci-fi twist to it. Oh, okay. And he did Trans Siberian. He's he's done. He did Next Stop Wonderland was one of his first little indies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he does. It's unusual for a director to tackle all these weird. Or different genres. That's neat. Disparate genres.
0: Well, you had me at session nine.
2: Yeah. The Call is, is a good, you know, popcorn movie. I highly recommend it. Okay. I'll check it out. Halle Berry's a call center person, and I, that's all I'll say. Hey, she's quality. She's a quality actress. She
0: is. But the fact that I, I had never even heard of this movie sure. really made me suspicious.
2: It did pretty well. Okay. It wasn't a massive hit, but it did like 60 million bucks.
0: But that's really surprising. Like, I'm very aware of, <laughs> of movies. Like, I'll I'll know what the movie's about, and yeah. i have never seen it. Not the even call. seen a preview. I'll just kind of know. Sure. So I'm I'm surprised.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: I recommend it. I'll check it out.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's no uh, Black Coat's Daughter, but. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a good one, too. So where are we now? We are now at texting to 911. Oh, wait. Is... Hold
0: on. I want to drive this home real quick. Okay. Okay. Drive it home. The the 1996 FCC rule mm-hmm. that says you have to have a cell phone tower, tell 911 its address, mm-hmm. the closest one to your cell phone, mm-hmm. and then give the GPS coordinates yeah. for wherever that cell phone they think the cell phone is. Uh-huh. That's the 911 system that's in place nationwide today in yeah. 2020.
2: That's why they ask you from a cell phone. Yeah who are you and where are you, just like they did in the early days.
0: Right. And this is a problem because, like you said earlier, 80% of 911 calls in the United States mm-hmm. are made from cell phones, and 911 does not know where you are unless you tell them.
2: Yeah, but it's also um, balanced out by the fact that they you have They really want to help. Well, you have that cell phone right there. And immediately, so yeah, yeah. That, that's remember the true. old days? You're like, let me find a payphone. Let me go knock on someone's door. That's true. And be and ask about their oak tree, and hopefully, I won't get shot. Right. Um, so people are calling right away. So I would think that kind of counterbalances the clumsiness. I, yes. Of location,
0: I think you're right, Chuck. We'll see. Well, you really swooped in there.
2: I say we'll see as if there's some report coming out. <laughs>
0: the thing is, though, is they're, they're, people have figured out the people, the powers that be who are concerned with 911 and its system mm-hmm. are well aware of this m- major flaw. Yeah. And our work have figured out how to, how to update it. It's just now we're in the process of rolling out updates.
2: Well, and then privacy advocates are going to be like, what? You're going to like locate every single person with the cell phone and know where they are at all times. Right.
0: And Amazon and Apple are like, dude, we, we already know yeah, exactly. that. It's just 911 <laughs> is the only one who doesn't know where you are at all times, yeah, which is a problem. <laughs> it's funny, I saw... Um, a Wired article from 1998 that was like wringing its hands, like, "Oh, you know, privacy advocates are worried that they may be able to track the movement of cell phone users based <laughs> on this information that That's 911 adorable. gets now." Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "Maybe, I don't know. We'll right. have to see. We'll see what
2: the future holds." <laughs> yeah. So, texting to 911 is the latest uh, technology. Uh, about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, in Iowa, in Blackhawk, they were the first jurisdiction to offer this service. And it's still kind of coming out. I think um, a couple of years ago, they all fifty states had text capability, but um, it's not everywhere in each state. Yeah, exactly. It's very and it's though. just text. I love Dave points out. You can't send emojis. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> need help emoji. Right. Yeah. But you can't send. Text and video and that kind of thing would be super helpful, I think.
0: Right. So, this is where we are in the next generation. It's literally called Next Generation 911, NG 911. And it's where 911 finally catches up to every other um, telecom company yeah. and device manufacturer already is. And it basically uses all the information from the Internet of Things that lets people know exactly where you are. right? Not just like what your address is, what floor of a building you happen to be sitting on right Mm now. Um, All of that information is now going to be funneled to 911 when you call because 911 is finally abandoning landlines landline telecom that's what they they're dealing with currently yeah they're going over to VOIP so 911 will be using a secure internet connection in the near future and when they get to that point um, they will be able to accept um, video right photos like this is the guy that's that's attacking the lady mm-hmm. hurry up that kind of thing and then they'll also be able to because they're setting up a separate wireless, broadband network just for first responders called
2: FirstNet. Yeah, that's going to be a big deal.
0: And so 911 will be able to say, hey, here's a photo of the guy that they're that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they can't do that now. As mind-boggling as it is, they cannot do that.
2: Yeah. I mean, just to have a, a dedicated wireless network mm-hmm. cuts down on, uh, I imagine, interference and potential hacking.
0: Plus, in a disaster... If you're out there in the field, you are using your own wireless device that's on the public broadband mm-hmm. right now. And so if the public broadband goes down because there's so many people trying to use it to to find out what's going on in like an earthquake or something, yeah. like the first responders suffer from that too. So this separate broadband network just for first responders won't crash right. in the event of a disaster.
2: Yeah, and speaking of first responders, uh, I think it's kind of time we join certain people in saying – call center uh, employees are first responders. Are people saying they're not? Well, I don't think they're generally thought of as first responders hmm. if you work at a call center. Because
0: they just sit around? <laughs> Maybe.
2: <laughs> but they are literally the first and most important first thing that happens sure. in an emergency. And like you said earlier, they are trained to and walk people through CPR, Heimlich, uh, how to deliver a baby, mm-hmm. how to handle an active shooter, uh, suicide, domestic abuse, um, if you're a kid and you're scared because grandma fell over, mm-hmm. like how to handle children, like they're really skilled. And I think it's a shame that like I feel like the only time you hear about 911 call center uh, responders is when there's a bad one and, and you release those calls and right. everyone's horrified, Yeah, at, you know. And it is. It's awful. But those are clearly like the standouts. I guess not yeah. standouts. The standouts are <laughs> all the good employees.
0: <laughs> there have been some doozies for sure. Yeah. I read about one where somebody called in um, a wildfire in Oregon. Oregon, sorry, Oregon. <laughs> Oregon. Um, and uh, the 911 operator said, what you're seeing is probably just the play of light on sunlight on the fog. Right. It was like, how would you even know that? You're in a call center. I'm looking right at this thing. It's a wildfire. And, like, they, they didn't dispatch anybody. Yeah. And And, um, like, a half hour or 20 minutes later, somebody else called it in. And by this time, it was, like, raging.
2: Um, there was the one lady drowning in her car, too. That one was horrific. I didn't hear about that one. She was in her car that was going down. And the, I think—I don't remember exactly what happened, but she was freaking out. Yeah. And I think the 911 person was just sort of— Dismissive, and it was really and kind of rude, even wow. But you know, that makes the news right, not the 650,000 calls a day that go through and our lives are saved. Like,
0: no, no, ab- absolutely, that's absolutely true. That's a great point. Um, there are plenty of stories, though, of people like of them just like straight up doing hero stuff, yeah. Going above and beyond. You should see Halle Berry in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that can happen is, as hard, as much as you're trained to not let it happen, mm-hmm. uh, you can become emotionally invested in a call. Totally. And th- I've read that some some operators are just fine at leaving it at the door, at mm-hmm. least appearing to leave it at the door. But others can suffer um, burnout. PTSD, yeah. um, and one of the big things that I saw that's a huge psychological problem for 911 operators is that there can very frequently be no resolution. Right. They can be on the phone with somebody who is like holding someone hostage and they're trying to mm-hmm. talk them down, and all of a sudden the cops come in and the line goes dead. they If they're not good friends with the cops who came in, right. um, they may never find out what happened. Like, no idea. Um, they're talking someone through who's been shot or whatever right. to try to keep them alive and conscious. They have no idea what happened to that person. They have to take the next call. And that's a huge yeah. problem. There's no closure. And then sometimes there is closure. Like, if you're a 911 operator, you probably have been on the phone with somebody when they took their last breath, right. when they were murdered, when mm-hmm. they died very, very scared. Right. That kind of stuff takes its toll on people. And that's a yeah. it, it can be a big problem. And there can be... Pretty frequent turnover among nine one one dispatchers. It's
2: a Halle Berry movie. Oh yeah, I'm telling you, it's, yeah. it's all there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because even if they don't get closure on the work site, they could see it on the news that night. It'd be like, man, that, I took that call right of this murder. Yeah, or whatever. Pretty bad. Sure. Not a job for me.
0: I don't think I could hack it either. And then practically speaking, there's like you have to be able to type really, really fast Mm -hmm. with a high level of accuracy while somebody's telling you other information. Yeah, I would. Like you might be taking info in and you have to be chatting with, you know, a cop on IM Mm -hmm. who you're sending out while you're also taking the description from the other person. You're just going back
2: and forth. Yeah, you got to be able to compartmentalize and multitask. Yeah. None of those things are my specialty. No. Uh, If you're wondering, you pay for 911. If you have a phone bill, mm-hmm. uh, cell phone bills included, uh, it's a little little surcharge there. So uh, that's outrageous. To scream socialism, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as far as those statistics we talked about earlier about the racial bias, um, of course, if you were a fan of Public Enemy, you remember the great, great song 911 is a Joke. It was a good one. Flavor Flav. Yeah. Uh, there was a study done by the ACLU in 2013. Uh, residents of Grand Crossing, this is a uh, Chicago study, mm-hmm. uh African American neighborhood on the south side, waited 11 minutes for a cop to come after a priority call, um, two and a half minutes for the predominantly white neighborhood of Jefferson Park. Um, and response times in that were four and a half times slower in the black community. Uh, and there's, you know, like I mentioned earlier with the. Uh, People calling 911 on, you know, just an African-American person mm-hmm. living their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been cases where people ended up dead because of that right. uh, after escalation. And that's just like a pure tragedy.
0: For sure. Um, there is a, there like when you have something this massive and huge and it involves people at like their worst moment – of their life, a lot of stuff is gonna kinda come out of it. There's a lot to 911, a lot of legends and myths and everything, Mm -hmm. but one of the things I saw that everyone seems to know about is that if you call 911 and pretend you're ordering a pizza, (laughs) they will understand that you are in a position where you can't talk and they'll dispatch the police.
2: Supposedly that's a myth, (laughs) but it makes total sense, doesn't it, you've heard that before? I was just, just thinking of Die Hard. Oh, I don't remember that. There was that line where he's calling the 911 dispatcher. Uh Well, I guess, I don't even think it was. I think it was an actual cop Mm -hmm. on the other end. And she's like, calm down, sir. And, uh, you know, it's not an emergency, whatever. And he said, what do you think I'm doing, ordering a pizza? Oh, yeah, that's right. And that might have been a reference to that. Maybe so. So what are you saying again? The urban legend is that if
0: you, like, let's say there's, there's somebody who's, like, got a gun on you if you can somehow get it to the point where you're like, hey, let's order a pizza right now, you can call 911 and say, hey, I'd like to order a pizza. And that's code Here's for Here's my address. Trouble. And then, yeah, and that 911 will get what's going on and send the cops out. Apparently that's, that's not true. Okay, But there, there is there's another, there was an urban legend I saw in the UK with 999 mm-hmm. that if you um, call and you don't say anything, that they will send someone out. And I think that is oh, kind of widely believed over here in the U.S. too. Apparently in the U.K., that is true, but it's going to send you through a series of prompts if you don't respond. Uh-huh. Um, and if you press 5-5, five, five, will, you will be confirming that, yes, you there's an emergency and you just can't talk right now, and they will send people out. If you don't press 5-5, five, five, then they, they won't. It'll just take it as like a... a accidental call.
2: Well, and that's the big benefit. I don't even think we kind of brought up about texting to 911 because you might think like, ugh, because people want to text. Millennials. But there are plenty of cases where you can't talk, Mm -hmm. you're uh, maybe in a domestic uh, dispute. Or if you're hearing impaired. you're hiding in a closet or if you're hearing impaired or if – you've been kidnapped and don't want to use your voice out loud or you're a scared child. Like Plenty of great cases to be made for texting.
0: And since text to 911 isn't everywhere, uh, the FCC has a law that if your telecom carrier doesn't... doesn't have text to 911 they have an immediate bounce back that says like you can't do that right. you have to call 911 yeah
2: which is that's pretty valuable it
0: is and one last thing if you find an old phone that has a charge in it even if it hasn't had service for 20 years you can dial 911 you will be connected yeah that is pretty cool every single phone that is that is in operation dials 911 for free
2: yeah I like that I do too man I love 911
0: I think Kurt Vonnegut said there's no uh, no greater display of humanity than seeing a fire truck go down the street with its sirens blazing. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That sounds like something he'd say. Interesting. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to know more about Kurt Vonnegut, you can just type that into the search bar, How Stuff Works, and who knows what that'll bring up. Who knows? Uh, and since I said that, it's time for listener mail.
2: Uh, this is a response when we asked for. Examples of racism in today's military, and we heard from a range of people. I have to say, uh, from this guy who, uh, to the other guy, to the other guy, <laughs> this guy said, I'll just tell you what this guy said in a minute, but other people have said that, yeah, they've seen some pretty bad racist stuff in the military, mm-hmm. but they're isolated incidences just like in the real world. Gotcha. But this is what uh, Matthew Applewhite says uh, Start off, I'm a white guy, I can't speak on everyone's experience while in the service, but. During my four years, I saw more camaraderie between a mix of races than I ever see in my real life.
0: It seems like this is the response that we got the most.
2: The most, I think you're right. Uh, They they taught us from the start in boot camp, uh, Marine Corps, that you're all nothing (laughs) and you will all become Marines. And with that in common, it gives the common ground between any race or nationality. Uh, They might often refer to African-American Marines as dark green Implying, yes, they may have a different skin tone, but they're still green. And over the years, in and out of training, you learn that everyone endures the suck and the hard times together. Uh, and no one is above another. In the end, you learn uh, to trust the man to my left and right uh, with my life, no matter what his skin color. Uh, and ladies, too. They're female Marines. Sure. Uh,
0: I'm glad you said
2: that. Yeah. Now saying all this, some, uh, some uh, prejudice from other people's upbringing do still remain. But most of the time, it is shot down very fast with harsh repercussions, and it is kept to a minimum. I made many friends from all walks of life that I would have never even imagined being so close to without the common ground we stood on or the hard times that we endured together. And that is from an avid listener named Matthew Applewhite.
0: Thanks a lot, Matthew. Uh, We appreciate you letting us know. Thanks to everybody who wrote in to let us know. Virtually the same thing.
2: Yeah, except for the couple of standouts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, well, if you want to get in touch with us like Matthew did, you can go on to com, and I think our social links are there. Who knows? But you can always get in touch with us via email at stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com.
1: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows.